Hello, good Saturday morning, a great day to be alive, enjoying the beautiful weather. This is Saturday Java with Jason. I have my coffee. Uh, do you have yours? We have Chris Templeton, the founder of Old Stories We Tell. His goal is simple, to provide three questions and the model to create more meaning and happiness in your life with your family, with your friends, and with your work, but most importantly, yourself. So any other things you'd like to add upon that, Chris? <laughs> Isn't that enough? <laughs> I'm sure your audience is like, are you kidding me? He can't be in all of those areas, <laughs> but I am. <laughs> Procrastination. What is it and what causes it? Well, there's a number of things that you need to kind of understand about how we operate. And one of the things that was critical about how we evolved through time was this idea of um, the part of our brain that manages fight, flight, or fear, and also the part of our brain that manages conservation of energy. So when we were coming up through the Stone Age and that sort of thing, <clears throat> one of the big things that we were really good at was conserving energy, right? We didn't want to waste any energy unless we knew we had enough food, that sort of thing. So we're wired to conserve energy. On top of that, we have a piece of us that's wired in our brain that's there to protect us. <clears throat> and it's commonly called the amygdala, the fight, flight, freeze response. Um, and it's also associated with what people call the ego, the yeah. ego, the inner bully, that sort of thing. So we have these pieces of wiring in our brains that are all about conserving energy and keeping us safe. That's the whole point of the ego. I, I prefer to call it the protector because I want us to change how we perceive what the ego is and what it's doing. But the ego is the part of us that's always talking in our ear, yapping, oh man, I don't wanna do this. This is gonna be such a pain. So what you have is this part of your brain that is saying, hey, let's just, let's just relax. We don't need to get to it right now. And the problem is, is that we start listening to that and we like, yeah, I don't want to get up. I don't want to do this. And so a big piece of what creates that procrastination and that desire to be a couch potato is just how we're wired. But when we recognize that and start to kind of separate out that piece of us, that the ego piece, and almost look at it like a separate personality, my protector is just trying to keep me safe. When I understand that, that that's kind of what's going on when it comes right down to it, then I can start to say, okay, yeah, I gotcha. I understand why I'm feeling this way. And here are some of the things that I can do. I, what I need to do, number one, is talk that part of me down. Like, especially if it's really, I never want to do this. This is the worst thing ever. Like, we got to figure out a way to bring that piece of us into balance. And so from my perspective, some of the things that you do, I, I have a little process, I can stick it with a sticky notes, you know, 
a sticky note, what do you do with that? Well, you start out with where you are. I do not want to do this project. Ugh. Like how you really feel. You need to drop an F-bomb or two? Fine. But really identify from that, that perspective of that little protector what, where he is, she is, and feeling. So that it feels like it's been acknowledged. Then we simply say, okay, what's, why do I want to do this? What are some of the things that I would want, the reasons that I would want to do this? And that's where we start to then move to a place where we're in a much better place to move forward. Then the other thing is just keeping in mind that it's one step at a time. When you think about that protector part of you bitching and moaning about doing something, right? <clears throat> what it's typically doing is like, oh my God, how am I ever going to get to th this whole thing done? Well, you're not going to get the whole thing done. It's going to be one little bit at a time, at mm -hmm. a time at a time at a time. So, and, and the work that I've done around this, these questions in this model is all about understanding and creating self-awareness of, hey, what is going on with me that's got me so tied up in knots? Does that answer your question? Yes. Um, and I read a few books that are kind of like that too. One of the books I read, it says like, you can't start a marathon on your first day, but go out there and tie your shoes, get your shoes on, go for a walk to the end of the driveway. Don't just procrastinate. Don't say, I can't do it. Start these little steps and then you will be able to work your way up to reaching those goals. Yeah, I think Atomic Habits has is is yes. what you're referring to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and it's all about small stuff. And so when you think about it, like with with what Atomic Habits is doing from the perspective of my model, what it's doing is it's it's taking that wiring of the protector, which is all fear based, right? Oh my God, I don't want to have to do this. I don't want to have to deal. It's going to be too much. Blah blah blah. Whatever it is, and it's finding ways to address how that part of us is wired so that it doesn't have a need to act up. Hey, you know what? I'm just going to put my shoes on. Okay. That protector's like, okay, oh yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm going to take a, a walk to the end of the driveway. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. You know what? I might go a little farther. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you almost, if, if you think about it that way, that what I need to do is I need to bring that part of me into balance to just mellow it out. The biggest thing that we need to do is to partner with it. We are notorious for taking that piece of us and try, what do we do to get rid of it? Never going away. It's just not, but we can work with it instead of against it. Right. I listened to a podcast too. I'm not sure if you know him or not, but Andy Frisella, he referred uh, to that as his bitch voice when you don't yeah. want to do something. And he goes, just ignore it, you know? Okay. But that's and not, but wait a minute. Ignoring it is making it worse. He doesn't say really ignore it, but if you don't want to go walking in the rain, tell them to go shut up and just keep, you know, go, go walk in the rain if you have to, you know? Okay. Um, but yeah, he, he tells it just shut, you know, shut your big bitch voice up and just go, go do it. See, I don't agree um, with that at all. Just, oh, just okay. so you know, I, yeah. because here's the problem. If I do that, I haven't addressed what the issue is. Like, 
that part of me doesn't want to go out in the rain. Okay. And it doesn't want to take a walk. Okay, great. If I, what I do, if what I do, and this is, I think, where so much of the suffering that we have on is trying to push that part away instead of just deal with it. Yeah, you know what? I get it. You don't want to go for a walk. We're going to go for a walk. We're going to get all wet and we're going to enjoy it. Like that's a much more effective way to deal with that part of us than to ignore it, in my opinion. Now, would you say procrastination, if you stop that, it might lead to higher confidence? Or would you say it's a definite or what? Well, um, in general, I would say, yes, it helps with your confidence. Because when you think, see, in my model, what I say is that the bigger issues aren't confidence or getting the job done it's the opposite of that it's the part of us that makes us feel unconfident not confident feel like an imposter and when i get those things done or i get the job done that i've been putting off i automatically feel better because that wiring of the protector is like okay i don't have a job to do right now so yes i'm going to feel more confident in the moment how long will it last that's a that's a different question okay and in your model that you did um what are the major aspects of the confidence well i think that that it's we could just take a step back and just talk about the three questions and outline the model a little bit which okay. you can find um on oh the stories we tell on the home page and if you click the picture of it it gets bigger so what i've done is i've developed three questions what's the story i'm telling which is all about what i'm thinking and visualizing about myself or the world around me And I frame it up as story because I want people to understand that if it's a story, that it's editable. We have a tendency to think, oh, you know, that's just the way it is. And that is almost never the case because I can always change my story about what's going on. So that's the first question. Make sense? Yep. Second question. Is it serving me in this moment? In this moment, right here and now, is the story that I'm telling about getting a job done, running a marathon, going for a walk in the rain. Is it serving me, right? And and when you think about it, all the things that 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 pop up, it's because we're trying. That part of us is trying to take care of us. It's not very good at taking care of us. What it's really good at is finding the problems. So, what happens is. And in answer to your question, it's not about gaining confidence. It's about getting rid of all the garbage and the baggage that keeps us from feeling confident. So when I'm able to get one project after another done, one step at a time, that protector is like, okay, I don't need to worry about that. Yeah, you can feel a little more confident. When I go out and walk in the rain and come back and like, you know what, that wasn't so bad. Ah, Protector backs down. So everything that I want to help people to do in terms of this model is help them to get that protector in balance. So the third question is, is there a more authentic story I can tell? Like, what I'm looking at, whether it's myself, my relationship, my work, money, whatever it is, if the story that I'm telling isn't serving me, and I can tell because 
a story that doesn't serve me has me in fear, has me hopeless, helpless, powerless, victimized. That's mm -hmm. all little, what I call little me stories. Mm -hmm. Stories that serve me have me centered and grounded. They're more solution oriented. And when I'm in that place of being more solution oriented, I'm uh, by default more confident, more willing to take risks, more willing to, you know, put myself on the line, go for that walk in the rain. Mm -hmm. So those are the three questions. And if you take, if you were to draw a horizontal line on a piece of paper, and question two is, is it serving me in this moment? If it's not, it goes above that line. I call that little me land. And if it, it is serving me, it goes below that line. And I call that authentic me land. And really, what, what we really want to do is feel authentic. And when we feel authentic to ourselves, we feel more confident. We feel more sense of agency in our lives, that sort of thing. Okay. And I guess when you be when you do become more confident that will lead into more positivity where you can actually uh, survive more and be, I guess, a better leader or a better go-getter, I guess you could say. Absolutely. And I don't know if it's go-getter, but certainly it is. I mean, for some people that is, and for other people, it's just being more open to doing things and, and, and just not being as resistance above that line and little me land. It's all about resistance. I don't want to do that. Oh, I don't want to face that uh, below the line. It's like, I can, I can, I can deal with this. I can figure out what the next step is. So that's kind of the difference in terms of, when I'm above the line versus when I'm below the line. Ask me your question again. I'm sorry. Like, okay, I guess when you're more confident, mm -hmm. you could become a better leader and a better manager. Okay, great. Great question. So think about it this way. If I, if we agree that above this line where I'm thinking thoughts that don't serve me is where all bad management, every, everything that you've ever heard negative about business and management and leadership all lives above that line in little me land or lesser me land. So when I am below that line, I'm open to knowing what Jim's doing and understanding why he's been coming in late and having a conversation with Jim versus above that line, Jim, where have you been? Why aren't you on time? If this doesn't stop, oh my God, here we go. Kill me now, right? So it changes how, when we're below the line, the way that we perceive our world is much more open, much more calm, much more uh, allowing um, and, and curious. Interesting, interesting thing that I found, the opposite of fear is curiosity. Think about that. If, I'm, if, I, if I let go of my fear, I'm way more open to um, wanting to understand what goes on. So from that standpoint, if I'm below that line, I'm a much better manager, much better manager. And I noticed one thing that you said was um, in this to become a happier employee that can help out too. Absolutely. Think about this. Think about all the people who say, you know, Bob is the worst manager ever. And what do they do? Is that, well, first of all, do you think that if I'm running around with my coworkers talking about what a crappy manager Bob is, is that serving us in any way? Not really. 
No, I mean, it's not. It just isn't. It's, we feel icky. And so you think about it. Here's Bob, the crappy manager. And I'm not saying he's not crappy. Don't get me wrong. And he's above that line. He could be super positive. Hey, everybody, this is going to be great. And he know, and everybody knows that Bob's not going to follow through. Or Bob could be kind of on the negative side. You know, I need to really see what you're up to. And I need to manage every, every I'm going to micromanage it. That's kind of all the negativity. So what happens is when Bob's a crappy manager, because of that protector wiring that we all have, we have a tendency to run up and join him. Oh, Bob's the worst. God, I can't, I cannot stand working for this guy, right? So then the question becomes, okay, as an employee, what, what is the story that I'm telling that's not serving me? Gee, same as, as if it was a leader talking to one of their people. I wonder what's up with Bob and what are the things that are making him such a, a nightmare to work with? Like there's a whole different focus with me versus Bob's the crappiest manager I ever had, Bob, 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 right? So when you start to open up about and not be in that problem area above this line that I've created, I'm open to helping to solve problems. Now, I'm not saying by any stretch that if I just change my thinking, Bob's going to be a better manager necessarily, but there's a much greater chance that I'm going to behave differently. I'm going to act differently toward my manager. And hopefully I may even have the agency to say, Hey, Bob, you know what? I really feel like you're upset with us or me. What can I do to help you? Like see the difference in the, in the solution orientation versus above the line, the problem orientation. Right. So that's and, what I mean by that. Right. Cause I mean, I look at it like when we were in school, you know, this is going back decades for me, but you know, all the chairs were in a straight line. Um, you went to, you know, lunch, a single file. You're not allowed to talk to you raise your hand. So this is training us to be little employees nobody ever said you know we gotta you know we get we got to teach these guys how to own their own business we got to teach these guys how to become an author we got to teach these guys how to do this all they taught us was to be the little employees so you never really were taught to be a good employee you were just taught to be an employee and a good little it. worker Think about it. We're not what we're and in addition to that, we're not told how to be in control of our lives in a way that serves us in that where we feel we have that confidence. We feel like we have the agency to solve problems. We're open. So that and and that is the whole focus of this model. The whole focus of this model is all about helping people to have the self-awareness to recognize when they're a place that isn't serving them, to move to a place that is serving them where they feel better, where they feel centered and grounded as opposed to in fear, victim, hopeless, helpless type of thing. And so, so you're right on the money and I would just broaden it to say, hey, listen, this, is, this should be all about how do I spend my time as much as I can in a place that serves me, recognizing that I'm always gonna have times that I'm gonna, that little protector's gonna whisper in my ear and say, this is crap and I don't wanna deal with it. Okay, you know, that's, that's just part of the deal. It's that part of not resisting it. And 
those people that say, oh, this boss might not be a good boss, then head out. There's a lot of companies and things like that looking for bosses. Maybe you can get a promotion at another company and show people, hey, look, I am a good boss. I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be like, you know, boss A. I want to be totally different. And that's the beauty of this model is that what I recognize is foundationally the key to me being a better boss is being in a place where I'm below that line. I'm solution oriented. I understand that I have my protector that I need to keep in balance and that if I stay below that line where I'm supportive, I'm creating accountability, I'm doing all the things that my people need to thrive versus what I'm doing from above the line or what my boss did from above the line where he was micromanaging or telling me that everything was great and then he was a, a jerk. For me to be a truly good boss, my goal is to understand that I need to be the, below the line and then I need to help people come to below the line. Just like what's fascinating to me is that just like we have a tendency to run up and join somebody whose protector is strong and telling us that you're we're garbage and you're crappy employees and all that, we all run up there like, you're the worst, blah, blah, blah. But when a, a leader gets down below that line, people that might have been up there come down, right? Because I have this sense of, I can trust that the, my boss is going to be respectful with me. He's not going to micromanage me. He's going to trust me to make mistakes or she, whatever the case may be. So what, yeah, so you can be a much better leader if you understand that the number one thing is to operate below that line as much as I can and recognize that people go above the line. And my job is not to join them up there in little me land, but to help them come down. Hey, what's going on? You okay? You feel like you're a little off these days. Oh my God, you care about how I feel. My protector just said, okay, I'm, I'm off the job. This guy's, this gal's got it. Got me. And how can you help settle um, stress, you know, relieve stress and with this, because a lot of people look at this now and say, oh, geez, you know, me, me trying to get along with the boss, that's going to cause stress or, you know, any situation can be a stress antagonizer. So, so let's take a boss that's just the worst boss. Ugh. I dread coming to work, that sort of thing. What, what people, what I want people to understand is that stress is generated by that protector because the worse the boss is, the more powerful my little protector is in trying to keep me safe. Oh my God, you need to find a new job. Get, get out of there. Don't put up with this crap. He's such a jerk. And so all of that, and this is why I keep coming back to this idea of bringing that protector in balance. And this is why, going back to what that author you mentioned who said, just ignore it, or the podcaster, oh my God, that is such a bad idea. I need to let that, the best thing you can do, I'll tell you the alternative to that. Instead of, instead of just ignoring it and pressing on, 
sit down with a pen and paper and write everything that that little piece of us is, the little me is, is saying. All the F-bombs, everything that it has to say, and watch what happens. It's like letting air out of a balloon. And all of a sudden, oh my God, you know, the boss is a jerk, but I don't have to be in this place where I'm joining him above or her above the line. Does that make sense? Yeah. So from a stress standpoint, it's understanding that it's that wiring in our brain, trying to keep us safe, looking for problems. And it's good to know we're not, we wouldn't be on the planet today without that part, that wiring, but also that what we need to do truly to eliminate stress is to talk that part of us down, get it in balance. Right, right. And now, how can you go about getting setting goals with the system that you have? Well, this is this is <laughs> you're asking all the right questions. The here's the problem with with goals for most people, Jason. Most people set them above the line in Little Me Land, and I'll give you a couple examples. This goal, I'm going to give it 110 percent. I'm going to 10x, I'm going to 10x my productivity, that kind of thing. And it's all stuff that that the protector loves, like the protector does not understand good solutions. And boy, are we drawn to 10xing productivity or, you know, those kinds of things. You look at all the things that's kind of clickbaity in the world. It's all stuff that sounds too good to be true. And oh my God, the protector just wants that answer. If you could just give me that answer, I could be 10 times more productive and everything would be great, except for the minute that it doesn't go well, because that goal was set above the line, I run from a positive, super positive to super negative. That didn't work again. What's the point of even trying? Okay, so there's, there's kind of the landscape of where I think most people's goals are. So the first thing is to find a goal that's reasonable. I think it's fine to stretch where you feel comfortable with it. But this is where, how can I tell an authentic story about this goal that I want to set that doesn't set the protector off? Like, you know, everybody, oh, I want to make a million dollars. Well, let me tell you, you listen to what kind of goes off or feel that little resistance in your chest. You know you're on, on the wrong direction be great to make a million dollars. That's a whole different thing that I want to make a million dollars. But when I am below the line, what I'm doing is I'm looking at the steps, you know, it'd be great to make a lot of money, maybe it'd be great to make a million dollars. But what's the next step. So the first thing is just having reasonable, a reasonable path to move forward, not to the end state. That's, that's, it's nice to kind of know where we want to go but then also being flexible about how I'm going to get there. <clears throat> the other thing that I think is really important about goals and goal setting in particular is to be flexible and let them change. <clears throat> and one day I feel like I couldn't, if I could just make a hundred bucks, that'd be great. Okay, great. So today let's just, <clears throat> let's take, <laughs> let's take the protector off, off <clears throat> duty and and make the goal for today just to move a little bit forward versus way forward does that make sense yes um but then you also hear people saying you can't succeed 
that well unless you get out of your comfort zone. And a lot of people will just say, okay, I'm going to stay in my comfort zone because that's where I'm comfortable. So, and that's why I say, I think it's okay to stretch. I don't have any problem with, with getting outside of your comfort zone, but only to the extent that I'm not lighting up that, that protective part of me, right? I it may, it'd be great to say, look, I'd love to make half a million dollars in two, two years. Um, and, and that would be great. But what is it that I'm going to do to move in that direction and feel like I'm making progress a little bit at a time? It's such a juxtaposition when you think about it with Atomic Habits. It's the same thing. He's mm -hmm. just saying, do small, um, small steps. You know where you want to go. Stretch. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But where we get into trouble is we have – we so often set these hugely these huge huge goals that we are automatically creating resistance from and if that's what you're doing now you're creating stress you're creating resistance i want to know where i want to go but i need to focus on where i am right here and now and what the next step is so that i'm not dialing in like we talked about earlier that idea of well this project's too big well, great. Now, now I'm back above the line and I'm not serving myself in a way that's going to get me to that goal nearly as fast as if I'm doing it in a way where I'm not resistant about it one step at a time, so to speak. Okay. Cause you did bring up a good point of, Hey, you know, I want to make a million dollars in two years. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that you could take a million, that's a million a year. That's 500,000 in six months. So then you write down on a piece of paper, look, my goal is I want to make 2 million. What do I have to do yearly, monthly, daily, hourly exactly. to do that? Right. So, I mean, you know, you write down um, a yearly goal, a monthly goal, a weekly goal, a daily, and if you have to, uh, an hourly and so that in those in that two years, that goal can be reached because people have made two million dollars. Absolutely, and I think more people are capable of it than they than they know. But what they don't understand in general is that they're sabotaging their success by not necessarily reaching too far, but trying to get to that place without looking at, at what the process is going to be. And, and also, just as a side note, the why of it, what is it that I want this money for? What? And, and I don't think it's about money. Honestly, I think it's about freedom. It's about travel. It's about all kinds of things that I can do with that money. And when you think about it, Anybody who just wants the money for the, the sake of the money uh, needs to take another look and say, wait a minute, what do I want this for? Like, let's get really in touch with why we want it versus what this number is. It's kind of this number from our culture. Oh, a million dollars. A million dollars will solve all my problems. Okay, let me know how that goes.
tell me somebody who wants to make a million dollars and they understand that they're going to have a better relationship with their wife and they're going to travel more and they're going to be better at their job. They're going to get the help they need. Like that's a whole nother level of compelling versus I want to make a million dollars. Right. And I was told that if you can't even budget a thousand dollars, how are you going to budget a million? Right. And so, and, and, and that's a great point. Like, what are the things that I also need to do? What are the skills that I need to learn? What do I need to do job wise? Like there's so many things to consider. And when we just say, Oh, I want to make a million dollars, we kind of bypass all that. And it is truly for most people, that's an above the line goal. I want to make a million. Dollars. Great. Tell me why. Great. That'll help me get below the line. Tell me what some of the things are that I need to do kind of next steps. That's below the line and it's taking the protector off the job. Oh, well, that's just a little step. I don't need to worry about that. Go for it. This is the espresso moment. What okay. was your first job you ever had? I helped. I was a maintenance guy at our community pool with two other guys that were probably four or five years older than I was. Loved it. Your favorite season? Spring. I like spring. Not too hot, not too cold. What is your favorite food? Probably Mexican food. Can't beat a burrito. Who is your hero? Ooh, baby. I, oh, the Dalai Lama. Absolutely, hands down. Just a lovely, 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 and wonderful human being. What is your favorite dessert? Vanilla ice cream with a little bit of chocolate sauce on top. What time do you wake up? Usually around 6.30 in the morning, without an alarm. What movie do you quote the most? Mm, probably Silence of the Lambs, which is also my favorite mm -hmm. movie. Are you a night in or are you a night out? In. In watching a, a movie or something holding my wife's hands. But if my wife's with me, I'll go out too. Are you a thinker or are you a doer? I'm more of a thinker than a doer for sure. Do you learn by watching or do you learn by doing? Doing. Hands down. When you go swimming, do you dive in or tiptoe in? Dive in. <laughs> I, had, I had knocked a tooth out when I was in second grade and they put, it, they put it back in and put a cast around it. And my parents and my family went to Washington, D.C. for something. And they, my parents left us at the pool and I jumped in the pool, dove in the pool and knocked that cast right off. And for some reason, my tooth stayed in. <laughs> What's your guilty pleasure? Mm -hmm. What motivates you? What motivates me the most is when I feel like whatever I'm looking to accomplish is doable and not overwhelming, I guess is the best answer I can give you. What bottom line, going back to our discussion, when the protector, when I've dealt with the protector, put him in balance, there's my, my motivation, my inspiration show up. What's your deepest fear? Probably of losing a body part. And how would you want to be remembered? I would like to be remembered as somebody who helped bring clarity to people's lives that help them feel a sense of agency in, in their lives and help them to understand all the things we've talked about. And on your gravestone, what's something you would want written for people that don't know you to be like, oh, that was him. A good guy who helped a lot of people. What do you care the most about? I was going to say my wife, but being in a place where I can take the best care of my wife. Well, Chris, we talked a lot in this. We talked about procrastination. We talked about leadership, management skills. Is there any last words or any piece of advice you would want to give to the listeners? Yes. If, if you take nothing away from our conversation the one thing I would like you to do is make your life practice. Practice, 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 because it gives me the room to make mistakes and learn. It gives me the ability to understand that sometimes I'm up in little me land screaming my head off and other days I'm clear about 
why I did that. Um, and that practice gives me the room, the room to be outside the box, really, when you think about it. Practice. Good advice. Well, Chris, how can my listeners get in contact with you if they want the book or if they want any information from you or no book just- yet, but um, they can search for Oh, the stories we tell and that's dot com. That's my website. And then the other thing to do is go to YouTube and um, search for Oh, the stories we tell. And if your listeners would do me the greatest favor and subscribe to my you know, add it to your favorites. That would be great. Thumbs up the videos. There's a ton of good video content that goes through this. And it's a great channel for really figuring out how to internalize this model and these questions. Are you on Facebook, Instagram, anything like that? Not in any meaningful way. Not yet. Okay, well, I appreciate your time, Chris. Again, this has been Chris Templeton. And I would like to really thank you for your time. And thanks for attending the podcast. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate you having me. I appreciate your questions. They were really good. And I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much. Take care. Please like the podcast. We are here to please you. Please subscribe. You don't want to miss the lineup. Please leave a review to show the guests you really care. Until we talk again, may you enjoy your week, your dreams come true, and your coffee cup never run dry.